The following is a paid program and does not necessarily reflect the opinions of the staff or management of visionary-related entertainment. Aloha, Maui Nui. Hey, this is Josh Porter here. And not Jay. Not Jason Faircart. <laughs> we got somebody else in the studio. Who are you? This is Neil Martin with Maui Solar Project. Neil, welcome, man. Thank you so much. Neil's a real trooper. You know, uh, Jay's on a plane right now, so I couldn't Skype him in, couldn't FaceTime him in, couldn't, I don't know, maybe it's possible on a plane, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Neil showed up and he's going to help me out here and be part of the solar coaster. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, dude. Yeah, I got some shoes to fill, so hopefully yeah. I can add in some piece of advice here. I have, uh, I have confidence in you. We yeah. also have a great guest. This is um, uh, the Solar Coaster number 57, we're going to be talking about air conditioning, solar air conditioning, solar solutions, and variety of things here with Damon from Jackson Electric and Solar High Maui, right? Is that correct, Damon? Yep. Yep. Okay. So Damon and I go kind of way back. I've known you for a little while now. You're you're kind of like a gunslinger out here in the solar industry, right? <laughs> we see you at all the conferences, see you out in our solar in San Francisco. I don't know if we ran into each other in SPI, SPI in Vegas, yep. right? And uh, you've been, how long have you been doing this, man? I uh, started... About 12 years ago. Right. Wow. And uh, helped a bunch of people just kind of on the side. Yeah. After I after I put mine uh, solar on my house, and then started the business in 2012. Right. And then um, and you were really early in the um, in the solar air conditioning adoption and getting that out there. I think you were working with uh, Green Path and some of those cats too, right? Kind of mutual friends. I think we might have been introduced by them. That that, that might be how we got to know each yeah, other. Yeah, I think. One of the jobs they had us do on Maui, you you showed right. up on the job, and right. I think that's where, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. So we're going to learn, uh, and what I've found over the years um, uh, since then, uh, since Solar AC was kind of introduced, is that you were always kind of like on point and had the kind of most, you know, kind of the bleeding edge. You had kind of like the information that was, oh, this is exactly what's going on with this tech, and I've tried that out, and this one is kind of working good, and this one's a little questionable. So Damon's always been an amazing resource, uh, and we're going to learn all about uh, his insights and his experiences uh, in in air conditioning and just general solar. So uh, really fortunate to have him in here. So thank you. Um, we're going to go through our normal kind of scheduled show and then we'll jump into this, uh, the, the content area with Damon a little bit later. Um, but let's do our housekeeping, uh, Neil, not Jason. Right? Oh yeah. <laughs> and we'll jump in through this and then we'll go into our news and events and we'll take it from there, okay? Ready to go? Yeah, ready when you are. All right, so <laughs> folks, this is the Solar Coaster. Uh, we are a renewable energy theme talk show right here in lovely Maui County. Fridays at 1.05 p.m. You can listen to us on OA 1110 AM. We're on some FM stations too. 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry. It is a call-in show. This is a pre-recorded show, so you can call us, but we won't answer. 242-7800 is the call-in line. 242-7800 for future reference. If, However, when you're listening to this, if you would like to uh, get in touch with us or ask a specific question you know, to Damon or to us regarding what we're talking about today, you can go to our website, solar-coaster.com, and there is a mailing list. Uh, a sign-up sheet and a form that you can send uh, questions to. So do check that out. Um, you know, we also have um, uh, uh, some great uh, podcast locations. And uh, so we're on iTunes, uh, we're on Stitcher, and we're on TuneIn. So, uh, and actually, uh, Neil, uh, we found out that you know, a lot of our friends, you know, like Eddie, uh, the uh, my former partner from Maui Solar Project, and uh, and Amy, who was on the show last week, they're both podcast people. Yeah, so they kind of prefer all that. podcast. Yeah, so I get on Jay when 
my podcast has been 24 right. hours it's not up and running so we're two he's shows been pretty good about that so i usually i'm usually listening on the podcast just because no sometimes i have to do something during the show live show time so i'll That's just cool. download it and get and listen to it on my leisure so yeah i use the itunes one but yeah other people are stitcher and tune in so that's cool. That's Check cool. I've never got into podcasts. How about you, Damon? Are you a podcast guy? Yep. Listen to them at work and on the road. <laughs> no kidding. I yeah, guess I mean, there's going to be people out there that just discover Solar Coaster, and then yeah. there's, what, 57 shows now? So yeah. they have a lot of time now they on sure their hands. Do. They can fill their drive-in with new renewable energy info. So They sure do. They sure do. That's great. All right, so we're on podcast. Do check it out if you're a podcast person. Uh, hey, uh, Maui, uh, we, we have some great sponsors. Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonen Battery, Pika Energy, and Sundrum Solar, who we were just talking about a second ago, uh, Damon. So these are some companies that are, uh, well, obviously MSPs, uh, my PC, we've been doing that for years, but Tabuchi, Sonen, Pika, Sundrum, these are all really great companies that have shown a lot of faith, helped us kind of keep this show on air for more than a year, right? So thanks so much to our sponsors. Um, one really kind of cool thing uh, that's happening next week, so we're at uh, June, what is it? Uh, we're uh, June 8th, we're going to air this show. Is that what's going on? So um, in one week's time, or less than that, we have the Maui Film Festival and Maui Solar Project and Tabuchi Electric America have partnered up to do some sponsorships there. We're actually going to be raffling off an iPad. That iPad is going to have the uh, Tabuchi system. It's going to be showing the uh, cloud-based Tabuchi uh, system and how that operates. You'll be able to go and see it in a booth at the Celestial Cinema. That's June 13th, 14th, 15th, and 16th, I think. Yeah. There might be something going on on 17th. Too. Yeah, definitely check that out because uh, showing the display and showing how everything works with the inner, the graphics there is so much easier than me explaining it. Okay, yeah, really. so you're collecting solar during the day, it's charging the battery, then you're pulling from the battery at night, and you can explain it to someone, but right when you see the display, it's like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and it's super intuitive. Yeah. One of the things I dig about Tabuchi is that it's so simple. Right, and you can tell that it's been created by the Japanese. Oh yeah, it's Nintendo like, all over. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it is a really straightforward system, and uh, yeah, so I think the uh, in general the displays are becoming more uh, more user friendly. But I like this one; you're going to be able to see a, you know a system functioning. There'll be a solar panel probably up. We'll have an inverter. We'll have a Tabuchi battery bank, which is a 10 kilowatt hour. I think it's lithium cobalt manganese battery bank. So that'll all be there at the Celestial Cinema. Come check it out. Be a part of the raffle. Get yourself a free iPad. Right? There you go. All right, so that's that. So, hey, uh, let's go into our news and events. News and events, this is me. This is you. All this right. is you. <laughs> so we got something out of Bloomberg here. Uh, World News, it says, Chinese burn will only make the solar industry stronger. Now, yeah, do you want to elaborate a little bit on that, <laughs> what they're really getting at there? Yeah, well, um, you know, basically we have, um, we've experienced some different things in the industry here, right? So we have, right now, we have... Uh, um, uh, a uh, an expansion in domestic manufacturing, I think about 4.4 gigawatts annually mm -hmm. of domestic manufacturing. But it's kind of mm -hmm. I think that that number is a little confusing because it, a lot of that's probably just assembly over actual manufacturing. Right, right? right. Are you following this stuff, Damon? In terms of manufacturing that's happening in the United States, uh, I mean with the tariffs and things like that, uh, that's given them a little bit of headroom for SunPower and Solar World, and then. Panasonic built a new factory in Buffalo. Yep. 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 So we so. got you got Panasonic. We got um, yeah SunPower, Absorbed Solar World that was I think in in, in bankruptcy right, and so um, they no is that incorrect? Yeah. So that <laughs> that was my understanding. It was about a month ago. I think we covered that on air. And then so you've got these kind of you know tried and true domestic manufacturers. First Solar as well the um, uh, thin film guys, 
And uh, but then we're also seeing a lot of overseas manufacturers, Hanwha, Jinko, um, a couple of Taiwanese groups coming in, and they're what they're, they tend to be doing is creating ma uh, assembly plants rather than manufacturing plants because the way those tariffs pen pencil out is they give you the first 2.5 gigs uh, exempted, and uh, and it's and it's, it's something to do with the cell versus the actual assembly. Like you you can just an assembly plan here. Well, that's how manufacturing in general, it's what really means manufactured in a certain location because we're in a global economy now where raw materials are brought in from different areas of the world and then they're maybe set to a certain standard. Maybe the cells are being created in one spot, but then assembled in different, maybe the yeah. racking material or maybe the, the actual framing is manufactured. And is, it, is manufacturing definitely where it's finally assembled and the full product comes out or is it where... Is there a certain percentage along those lines that's so difficult? Well, yeah, I mean, you have you have two different. Th I mean, you have a you have assembly, which is effectively taking the cells and putting them into a module, mm -hmm. and there's, that seems to be the bulk of the the manufacture. Well, the bulk of the factories that are popping up now right. because of the tariffs, right? Right. And it's just I, I think it's just a hedge at the end of the day. It's yeah. a way for them to protect themselves. And then you have um, let's see here, yeah, and then you have um, uh, what's going on in China right now. So you know, the, I guess basically they're they're um, the, you know we've had uh, some major changes in that as well. So well, basically, they have a lot of very large projects coming out that is bringing the cost down on the solar modules, the manufacturing side. If you have these huge projects going through that are needing to pump out so many modules per year, they're scaling up and it's bringing the cost down for everyone as well. And you can see on the graph there, uh, it shows weaknesses and strengths. It shows. Um, how much capacity is being installed every year in terawatts. And then on top of that shows inverted graph, basically that is showing the price of solar panels per watt. So as there are more projects coming up and we'll see China in the news is really dominating on, on the side of big, huge projects that are coming mm. up. And as those projects are gaining momentum, the pricing for everyone else is coming down. So. Yeah, so we should be able to see more solar deployed, regardless of all these kind of like little bumps in the road that we have. So that's good stuff. Um, let's take a look at what's going on with uh, California, because that's kind of the interesting one, I think. Um, so what's, what's, what's happening here? This is actually at uh, Berkeley, and they have seven things to know about California's new solar panel policy. So this is actually pretty cool, because the, you know, the main thing that happened was that, uh, you know, the, Hawaii, sorry, Hawaii, <laughs> California was the first state to have mandated PV on new builds. Right. right? We covered this in, a, in an earlier episode, but this kind of expands on it a little bit and gives some more of the details. So as soon as that happened, you know, Jay's father actually texted us and he said, oh, Hawaii's lost the lead. Because, <laughs> <Right? laughs> you know, and we already have that for solar hot water, right? New builds require solar Since hot water. Since 2010. Right. Um, so this is a pretty progressive thing, pretty amazing thing. Um, you know, and then there's definitely, and we're hearing kind of the reverberation throughout the industry. You know, there's questions too. Could other states adopt similar uh, movements? I mean, I haven't heard anybody do that yet. Um, but within that, what does it actually mean? What is the, what's the kind of nitty gritty of this uh, legislated uh, change? You yeah, know? because and they, they mentioned in this that it doesn't necessarily have to mean rooftop solar. It doesn't have to necessarily be any, it could be community solar right. as well. And they're talking about different programs. Like they're basically, pushing towards that renewable energy, similar to what Hawaii just set the bar on as being 100% renewable. They're pushing towards that, and whether it's through legislation or mandates and 
not necessarily having to put it on your roof, but using like, solar. You could be, it could, be, you could buy or you could, you know, subscribe to a solar farm somewhere, and that accounts for, I guess, a certain amount of, of size. But they get into the nitty gritty here. Like they actually have these seven points, and I think it's worthwhile for us to go over them. Mm -hmm. uh, so number one, it says the solar mandate doesn't require all new all new homes to have solar panels. What do you mean? I thought that's what exactly what it was. <laughs> so yeah. it's a yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So it says uh, the. Basically, the arrays could be either be purchased outright, so when you buy a new home, or it could be included in the home price, or it could be a leased program. So that's kind of what they're saying is you don't necessarily have to to own the product; you can have to lease it. Possibly. Yeah, there's two there's two things here. They're saying that you can lease it or own it, which we kind of are familiar with, and then also that it could be like you said, it could be on the roof itself, or it could be a shared solar grid somewhere. So perhaps there's like a community, you imagine 500 homes being developed in the Sierra Nevada somewhere, mm -hmm. and then next to it, you know, we go in and we throw up, uh, you know, whatever, uh, a megawatt of, of solar for these homes, you know, and then they can buy into that effectively. Yeah, they're saying so, a minimum of two to three kilowatts. Yeah, which is interesting because that is, you know, probably about half, I mean, at least out here, a half or a third of the average system side. Would you agree on that, yep. Damon? Like six, seven kilowatts seems to be Hawaii. And that's pro I, I I would think that's smaller. I've never really thought, I never really looked at it, but... I would think that your average mainland house might be a bit bigger, more. right? And have a bigger solar system. Actually, I haven't looked at that. Yeah, because plus they have winter. Right. Yeah. They, right. They, so they, they produce a lot less in the winter. They produce a lot less, you know, if they're, uh, you know, if they're, you know, uh, higher higher latitude, and then they also tend to use. They have lower cost of electricity, so people tend to be a little bit more kind of liberal with using electricity. So in terms of a kilowatt hour per kilowatt hour basis, they're probably using more right, right. in the mainland. Um, so to offset that, you're going to need a larger solar system. So so for us out here, two to three kilowatts might be about a you know a third to half the size. But out there, you know, I'm going to guess it could easily be a nine kilowatt system on some of these uh, on a lot of houses you yeah. know across the country. Um, so that's small. Right, and that's um, and why is that? Well, you know, uh, they don't mention it here necessarily in the article, but just from talking to people in the industry, you know, the idea is to keep those prices down, right? So, um, and number two, they actually go right into this: solar panels will make new homes more expensive, but should result in savings over time. So, from a perspective of you know the builder, the guy that's out there, you know, uh, speculating on this project to you know create this uh, this new community, um, he now or he or she now has a, a a new cost added, right? Right. And if it was a nine kilowatt system on a house, mm -hmm. that's going to be well, let's run it over whatever three bucks a watt or something like that, you yeah. know. And then you're at you know almost thirty thousand dollars. But if it's a two kilowatt system over three bucks a watt, right? It'll be interesting <laughs> to see know? how they package those deals up. If the yeah, brand new projects that are being developed, if they're going to be leaning towards just the minimum requirement or what makes sense for that actual community and home. Well, yeah, I and mean, when, when things get legislated in, the, the industry is going to start going, okay, how do we do this in an affordable way, right. right? And so that makes perfect sense to me. And we've already talked to the guys at Solar Edge, and like I said, I don't know if this is full-blown public information yet, but they'll let me know if it's not. <laughs> so it's, uh, but they're talking about how they have their, they've, they've created smaller systems um, to, to be applicable to storage. Mm -hmm. So people can, um, ha there's a lot of flexibility here. They can put in a small, you know, like a 3.8 kilowatt inverter with small amount of, of solar panels, and then they could, but it's also storage capable. Okay. Because 20% apparently of uh, solar systems being sold in California are incorporating batteries these days. Oh wow! Twenty percent. That's a lot. Yeah. It's unreal. They, yeah, they have a good uh, incentive. Do they? For time of like use. a rebate, yeah. right? Yeah. They have a rebate. Yeah, the they've, state they've, helps pay for it. Yeah. Right, which we still don't have. Hopefully, I mean, it's supposed to be a bill in the legislature right now that would have a battery credit, 
25% battery credit. I, I know that. I don't know if it failed or. I'm pretty sure it failed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because we had Marco on the other day and he was really kind of gunning for that. And then it was, it was like right around that time that it, it had failed. But I mean, this is like the fourth one that's failed. They've been trying. I actually worked with a rep um, back in 15 when NEM was going away and, and submitted what, what might have been the first attempt at a battery tax credit bill. And uh, it was about as clunky a bill as ever mm -hmm. anyone's ever seen because we didn't know what the heck we were doing. <laughs> but we did put it in. And uh, since then, there's been a lot. I know Chris Lee's been working really hard on that. And, but I don't think we're going to get it for 19, unfortunately. That would be spectacular if we could. Well, the batteries with California as well as a lot of the time use program where they have those much higher costs at peak hours. And right. so like the Tesla and the Sonin where it's the AC coupled, some people don't really have the PV even installed. It's more it's just, just a battery. battery in your home. You charge it during the day for low cost and then pull from it at peak hours. So right. that's one right. of the advantages of those AC coupled systems. It's marketed, I seem like it seems more towards California for mm -hmm. those type of systems and okay. those type of requirements. Okay. Well, they uh, they talk about in this number two here, it's the seven uh, things to know about California's new solar policy, and maybe this will reflect here in Hawaii one day, but they say the CEC estimates that the new standards, uh, that it, it's new standards, um, which include the solar mandate, um, add $9,500 to the cost of a new home, but save $19,000 on electricity over 30 years. Um, so that, you know, these kinds of ratios probably hold true out here. They're probably a little bit more of a, a cost if, they, if it were to happen here it would be more of a cost probably mm -hmm. and then but more of a savings right. right and so that's that's pretty awesome stuff i mean it's, it's exciting to think that this stuff is happening now um what else they got here what's number three number three is uh solar panels won't fill all your energy needs unless you have a battery yeah so we were just talking about that right so we know that you know grid tied solar is going to provide you with self-supply functionality i mean or, or net metering functionality or uh no i'm sorry net metering functionality mm -hmm. maybe uh but not self-supply or battery backup functionality because you don't have a battery right right so they're saying hey uh this is uh you know you, you would want to if you want to have battery backup, it's kind of like a very simple article, actually. If you want to have battery backup, then you, in grid power when the grid goes down, you need to put in batteries, which is, they're saying about $5,000 more. Now, that being said, I don't know if you've uh, been paying attention to Enphase. Have you been watching these guys? What they're up to? Yeah, the net forming. Yeah, so they're doing some really radical stuff. And, you know, we had uh, uh, Martin and Raguan, probably the founders of Enphase, probably about three months ago. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about Ensemble, which mm -hmm. is their 2019 spec product. You know, they get, they're out there. You just mentioned it. They have the, uh, the IQ7 out right. right now, which is a pretty amazing product. And the IQ8 pending. And I think after that, maybe is Ensemble. And they're no, saying. I think IQ8 is. Is, yeah, is the it grid, Ensemble? The grid forming. Um, oh, you called it grid forming. Is that? Yeah, I hadn't heard grid that forming, term. Yeah. Okay. What is yeah, that? I first said net forming, but that's not. It's grid forming, so it, so it doesn't need. I mean, you'll have to have some control. Yeah. You know, CTs and some other things to make sure that it doesn't backfeed. But right. the inverter will actually be able to form its own grid, and <laughs> if the grid goes down, it'll it'll be able to power some loads. These are micro inverters. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable, right? You right. know, so uh, the, I mean, these guys are so brilliant. But actually, so to, to have battery backup, we're not, we're not calling battery backup, we're calling it solar backup, I suppose, right. and with grid forming capabilities as early as 2019, possibly. When I hear that, I know it's the end of 2019. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's pretty spectacular. So uh, anyway, number three, they're saying, hey, right now, if, uh, if you want to get battery backup, that's an added thing, of course, an added cost. Um, what's number four? 
going solar makes the grid more expensive for everywhere else. <laughs> I think we know great, about this. <laughs> this is that great argument. I love hearing this one. Well, do you subscribe to this idea, Damon, or are you kind of like whatever, or how do you feel about well, it? Well, it saves the utilities a lot of money in building new power plants and right. infrastructure mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff, and they've done numerous studies that, that prove that uh, solar actually saves the, the utilities money, and they can pass that savings on, or they can say that it's making it more expensive for people and, and you know, put a little $5 a month adder to right, everybody to, right. to try and suppress solar. Yeah, that, and that's been the world that we've lived in, right, for, for years, for a decade, a solid decade out here. I call it the utility game of whack-a-mole. Right, because right, it's right. like you know, some new technology comes out, and it's got more and more robustness and more and more you know grid services capabilities, and then you know, and utility. Frankly, we're working with Maui Electric really closely these days, and they're wonderful people, and they've got a lot of great uh, programs going on and doing amazing things. We got a show coming up with Molokai, and we're going to feature the you know the, the grid out there. Um, but you know, the, there is a there there has been, I should say, at least a, a, a somewhat of an adversarial relationship between the industry and the utility for this, the last decade. Let's call it what it is, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the the changes are happening so fast. It's really, I mean, they, they've built for a, on a 30-year timeline and things right. are changing on a yearly five-year, <laughs> yeah, or, or shorter timeline. So, so fast. it's, it's yeah. very difficult for them to update their business model. Right, right. Well, there is a guy out here, if you want, if you want to try to parse out the, uh, the argument of whether or not uh, solar makes the other people's bills more expensive. There's an article, it's called, Why Am I Paying $65 a Year for Your Solar Panels? by Lucas Davis. And that one is, uh, let me just pull that up real fast so people can get it. Uh, energy, it's uh, a weird, Energy A-T-H-A-S, no, anyway. Uh, energy Institute at Haas, uh, that's a school, right? Haas, uh, it's like a business school or something in California. So anyway, that's, uh, that's something worth taking a peek at. Someone here is saying, he's on the other side of that conversation saying, yeah, solar actually is, is costing uh, non-solar people money, right? And that's a kind of an eternal debate. Well, they talk about um, people that were early adopters that are able to get solar panels, fill up their roof to max capacity, and then get a $0 bill or only pay the connection fee. So how sure. does that affect the other people that didn't but get solar? A, but that's like a minuscule piece of the puzzle, right? I mean, it's like the NEM, the people mm -hmm. that, the early adopters that bought NEM, if we were to just look at that frankly, right, those people paid seven bucks a watt mm -hmm. for 180 watt panels, yeah. right? Yep. With a sunny boy, whatever. You know, I got plenty of buddies like this. We had number 14 them, Willie Shukin in here, right? And I, I, I lived in his house. I rented his house from him, you know, about eight years ago. And he introduced me to solar, you know, or like, you know, and it was amazing, right? Because yeah. it was like, we lived right inside that house and it was, but those were 180 watt, um, uh, my, like Shukos or something. Yeah, my know? first system was 135 watt um, <laughs> Kia Serras. There you with, go. With a Sunny Boy 6000. Right, but the notion that that fella is kind of like he is getting this amazing deal. I mean, he's an early adopter. He did it ideologically. Well, he's a beautiful person. He wanted to, you know, contribute to the greater good, uh, and he paid, you know, he paid a lot for that system, mm -hmm. right? You know, and uh, nowadays uh, you can get the same thing for probably, you know, a third the price, right? And then not even mentioning tax credits, you know. So those are investors You're those guys 300 watt 325 right. 350 watt panels compared to the 180 right. or 135 like yeah yeah and so you have that and at mm -hmm. the same time you know you have really nem was just a like a legislated program you know one-to-one -one exchange backfeeding program in order to incentivize solar to get it off the ground it couldn't yeah. last forever right and it only got us to like whatever 15 20 percent penetration from there you got to move on you can do something different you know we've, we've evolved um okay number five it says so some think solar farms in the desert would be a better alternative uh, i take issue with that what do you think 
central gen out there, I mean, like a centrally generated solar, you know, energy in a big solar array being piped into the rest of the grid. Right. And I think it's, there's advantages and disadvantages to sure. both. You're losing some power and you're losing some capability just going that distance. But at the same time, um, you also, it's not as, uh, some. Well, there's a lot of desert space, a lot of availability land that just is not being used. It's really not, not either or, use. right? Mm -hmm. It's not either yeah, or. Yeah, you can yeah. use both. And one of the advantages of having it in the desert, like in California down south, near the the dam you know in boulder mm -hmm. city hoover dam um there's so much infrastructure already there right bringing power from that huge hydroelectric dam into southern california that adding a giant solar farm on that really cheap it's already uh, there yeah right. i mean they can just tie right into those those uh power transmission lines right and so you don't you know you're not making that investment to get the power to the people. So the infrastructure is already in place. So it's like it's kind of a matter of what's what are we dealing with? I mean, right. are we dealing with a, something where there's already infrastructure or do we have to build a whole bunch of infrastructure to do it? Also, you know, it's like there's needs at the grid edge. So, you, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, you can you can you can build a megawatt or a 10 megawatt or whatever uh, facility somewhere in an ideal location. He says in here because you can get great sun, you can control the sun. It's kind of a funny thing, right? <laughs> it's like, so, but uh, you, you can control the sun. OK, great. So that's one factor. But then you got to move that energy. Right. You got to move that around. You got right. to transport that. And there are losses in that. Am I correct? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're creating 15%. In, right. You're creating in D.C. You're inverting. You're into A.C. You're piping it into. Let's say there's a great infrastructure, just like you said. But then you got to move it X amount of miles to the to where people are consuming it. Right. right. And so there are losses associated with that. He didn't mention that in here. Right. Right. right? right. <laughs> and didn't talk about I think it's just stuff. more like some people who are scared about or not wanting to have rooftop on their or solar on their rooftop. So. Yeah, I think there's still a, feel that way? Yeah, I, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Some people don't like it as, it doesn't look as pretty I, as a... I think it looks beautiful. I, to yeah, me, it's like hanging people, art, man. Yeah. You know, it's great, right? You feel yeah. that way, right? Oh, yeah, no, you can make it beautiful. And there's yeah. there's just a lot of people that are just anti-everything. Yeah. You know, they, they don't want to look at the advantages. They just want to focus on the negative. I think that um, Hawaii, and correct me if I'm wrong here from your experience, but I think that in Hawaii... Solar's pretty ubiquitous. Like people are kind of like, I mean, the perception that solar is a positive thing is is pretty well across the board. Do you still encounter people that are like, oh, I don't like solar? Um, I, they, I, I mean, they may find it not attractive, but not that often. And and I think just knowing that we've got a oil fired power plant right down here, right. that's you know right. every kilowatt hour that that doesn't burn oil is an advantage. And so I mean, some some people that don't have a power plant in their backyard don't see the smokestack, it might, you know, it's, doesn't affect him, but. Right, right. The $65 extra that goes on his bill is $65 less of asthma. Sure, <laughs> Medication yeah. that he go. has to buy. Right, yeah. There you go, man. Wow, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it translates. It's all part of the same picture, right? And, uh, and not to mention, it's like out here, actually, that's not a uh, small thing because we come from a, a background of, you know, the cane burning and, and there's actual And the coal-fired power plant. I mean, yeah. we had a coal-fired power plant until... We were breathing that stuff. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. Um, so those days are, are, are numbered, right? How about number six? Yeah, number six, Hawaii may offer the model for better rooftops. Dun, dun, dun. So I agree with this, actually. <laughs> they're, they're saying a lot with uh, Maui Electric says as well is we're kind of the, the tip of the spear. Mm -hmm. we're, we're the ones that are kind of really showing how it's going to work throughout the rest of the U.S., and they kind of talk about um, both. You can't just do the net meter. Why we got rid of the net metering program? It's because, like you said, it's just not sustainable. We can't. It's really difficult to have an right. entire community do net metering because right. people need 
energy at night. <laughs> yeah, so they say here, utilities in Hawaii pay solar customers for surplus energy at a lower wholesale rate, which has offset cost shifting and in turn encourage people to buy batteries. So they just put in a set of incentives mm -hmm. to say, um, you know, hey, well, like, I, and when they say buying at a lower rate, I suppose they're talking about CGS. Yeah, right? yeah and CGS Plus, yeah. And in CGS Plus, you told me the other day, you're 100% certain that it incorporates batteries. Are you still there? Is that, is that, can CGS Plus incorporate batteries, Damon? I think you can put batteries on anything. Yes, I like that. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's the smart export too. Right, we got smart. We got a lot of stuff coming on, and actually, um, uh, by the way, everybody, we're going to be at the Maui Film Festival. We'll probably out there with the recorder, do some man on the street stuff. That'll be fun, and we're going to have a one sheet from Maui Electric that's updated with all of their new and pending programs. And, and actually, I forgot one in my mind until I talked to them to them yesterday. I had a nice meeting with Shana, and so we've got, of course, uh, CSS Consumer Self Supply which is you have your batteries zero and your export. solar, zero yep. export, right? And um, then you have CGS Plus, and we're thinking that that's probably, uh, could incorporate a battery as well, where you're selling energy back at certain times uh, at a lower rate, which is what they're describing here, with the the caveat of they should be, able, they, they, they have the authority to be able to curtail your system. Yeah, yeah, yeah they have a, a production meter, or a con yeah, control meter that they can, shut off export right right and then what joe tester had said i don't know if i'm supposed to be calling, calling these guys names out but uh with what i think joe had said to us was that uh it's very unlikely um uh that uh, the, the, and i'm not even sure if it was joe but there was a uh there's a curtailment rank order mm -hmm. and it starts with like the wind farm right and then it gets all the way down to the residences on cgs plus and 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 they you know basically the people over there were saying that eh, it's kind of unlikely because it's uh, it's but but we'll have to see how that plays out, right? So you got CSS, CGS Plus, you have Smart Export, which you just described, right? Which is uh, you have batteries and you can sell energy to the grid or power during the grid. during just during that peak time. They don't they don't the Smart Export doesn't pay you anything during right. the solar day. It only right. pays it's between five and ten p.m. I believe, yeah. and then there's another rate for right. ten p.m. to right. four a.m. or five a.m. Right. Yeah, yeah and so it doesn't make financial sense <laughs> with batteries yet, but. Right. You know, I agree with you on that, and but I, I would I would I would posit a theory, put out a theory that if you're a snowbird, it might make sense. Yeah, that's true. Right? No, that's true. I kind of want to see that credit go up a little more. Yeah, it is sure. pretty, <laughs> pretty low. It's pretty low. It's pretty low. But I mean, hey, if you got to put in a solar system and then you know you're not going to get anything for it while you're away because you're not using as much energy, then okay, great. I'll get some. I'll you know send out my uh, my solar. So um, smart export is that's very it's, that's pretty unique, right? And like you mm -hmm. said, I think it's like twelve cents a kilowatt hour. It's or something higher. Like that? It's, yeah, I want to say it's, it's like 14? 16, 17. Yeah, it's, it's, it's about half. Than, it's okay. higher than CGS plus. Right? Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay, so we'll check those numbers. Anyway, maybe we'll get those numbers in that one sheet from Miko. Yep. And then we also have what else do we have? We have oh NEM expansion. That's coming uh, down the down the road. Today? I mean, no, no we're I pretty don't. close. <laughs> we're pretty close to getting that clarified. Um, so that's super exciting. You know, I was in there uh, in the office uh, in my lecture the other day, and I was like, "Hey, by the way, NEM expansion would work really great like this." <laughs> if you guys have any input, this is pre-recorded, so Friday could we right? could have it. Who knows? Maybe we'll have it. You know, and I was just saying, um, want to be able to incorporate a battery and just if you want one kilowatt less during the day, like they're talking about, no mm -hmm. problem. I'll throw in a you know three kilowatts on your you know five kilowatt array and and then um, you know your NAM. I'll give you a little bit less during the day and we'll get more handle. in the morning or yeah. evening. So yeah, <coughs> it makes sense definitely. Yeah, that could be wonderful. I mean, and that would be a huge boom for the industry. I mean, I don't know how that's going to get because there's no real. I mean, if you think about it, it's 
from a perspective of approval on NEM expansion, this is purely conjecture here, folks, right? But because it, it hasn't been really clarified yet. But in terms of NEM expansion, if you're saying if, the, if we're giving them back a kilowatt of of of, of, of power, capacity, capacity, mm -hmm. capacity, so that's a so there. What kind of approval process should there be? It's kind of more like, yeah, please give us back up for a kilowatt. We need it in aggregate. That can make a difference in their day, right? Yeah, I just don't. I mean. You right. know, because the people that want to expand, maybe they've only got a, a four kilowatt system or a five kilowatt system, and then they're giving up 20%, where right. somebody who has a yeah. 10 kilowatt system yeah. is only giving up 10%. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, it seems like it would have been either percentage. better to have a, a percentage or... That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking with a fella, uh, Alex or, Alex Darude, actually. I think he'll come on the show soon. He's former uh, director of Sustainable Living Institute of Maui, and he's got a, like, a 2.5 kilowatt uh, mm -hmm. approval. Um, and Jason's the guy that always tells me not to say names. So we're going to have to scrub the names. <laughs> Don't say names. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but it, he was saying basically, you know, he's like, oh, well, I want to expand my system. And, um, and I'm like, geez, we're going we're gonna to go from 2.5 to 1.5. And actually, they're two, M250, so it's really 2.4. Mm -hmm. yeah. 2.4 to 1.4. <laughs> I mean, geez, that's nothing, right? Right. Yeah. And he's up in, um, he's up in uh, you know, uh, really, really high up on, on the crater, too. So his sun zone is nothing, right? So he's yeah. not even maxing that out. Yeah, no, it would be, it'd be nice if they made it like, um, you know, if it was under 5 kilowatt then it was exempted from right. re reducing mm -hmm. it. But Good point. Larger systems. Good point. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Okay, so very cool. So uh, anyway, Hawaii is leading the way. Some examples of how things can get, um, that we can do it even better with these mandates. Now, what's number seven? And then the last thing on California is uh, private residents are not the biggest polluters of California, so a solar mandate won't make much that won't make much of a difference, they're saying. And there's probably a point to that as far as who the actual polluters are and really kind of like an 80 20 or 90 10 mm. so like where if you do it in just the residential side you still need to worry about the factories and mm. some of the biggest polluters where where it could cover a lot of what the sure, carbon sure. footprint is yeah well there i mean you know here's the thing is this kind of legislation has far-reaching impacts that are not just about carbon right so it's 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 a precedent it sets a precedent other states may look to adopt it i agree that's great on the commercial side, what I know about commercial solar installs, and I'm sure Damon is thinking this too, is that the incentives are so freaking aggressive, right? <laughs> that there's plenty of incentives for, for right. businesses to put in solar. I mean, especially here in Maui, for crying out, you got a 30% federal, you typically got a 35% state that's not capped. Right. You got a, is it 100% bonus depreciation these days? I can't even remember. But you get you know a, a boatload of depreciation right out of the gate. Some of these systems pay for themselves in two years. So it's like, it could be twice the return on investment of a, uh, of a, of a of a residential system, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I, so there's plenty of opportunity for these. Yeah, guys, I think it makes sense. I mean, this in. is just uh, one side of the argument, but I agree. It's it's still let's keep stepping in the right direction, and this is one way we can do it as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, oh, I just I just think you know it, it raises awareness. You know, even if it does, even if it's a small thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but the the transportation is is tra is evolving very quickly too right you know yep. i mean there's a lot of people that are getting more efficient vehicles electric vehicles and and now they've announced you know there's three or four companies that are talking about doing electric long-haul trucks oh for so, sure I mean, that's that's what they you know trans Nic tesla and nikola did you mm -hmm. see that yeah and thor <laughs> thor is that the other one <laughs> yeah but they're you know i mean that's the biggest polluter right in in the you you know in the in what according to what they measure you know agriculture is big 
um, industrial is big, but transportation is the biggest. Yeah, transpo, for sure. And the electrification of, you know, the, the, the convergence of transportation and renewable energies is just this major kind of topic right now, this thing that's happening. In fact, we had Boris Borman on uh, uh, maybe a month or so ago, uh, the former CEO of Sonnen Battery, the former CEO of um, of Mercedes-Benz uh, uh, Energy Americas, and uh, he had some remarkable things to say about that in, in terms of where you know this is all going. You know, it's just a, there's just major societal shifts as a result of that. Yeah, yeah, and similar to this, I mean, they're talking about <clears throat> residential not really making an impact, but as far as the EVs, like the cars, maybe didn't make as big of an impact as the semi trucks or the long haul trailers out there, but they're the first stepping stone, yeah, and then on top stone. of that. That's what you didn't go straight into semi trucks, battery exactly. powered semi trucks. And I mean, take. the excitement, you know, th to see somebody go from not being really aware of solar to, you know, driving an electric vehicle and realizing that they can have solar on their house, they can charge their car. I mean, I've had an, an electric vehicle for eight years. Wow. And solar on my house for 12. And, you know, my electric bill's been under 20 bucks for since 2006. Yeah. And, <laughs> You know my wife's car electric so yeah. you know it's it's living it living it's, it. it's, it's not like yeah, yeah it's in it's it's included in that 20 bucks so there yeah. you go it's remarkable um yeah for sure it's an exciting uh exciting area um let's let's uh let's move over to what's going on in uh big island and just kind of wrap this up real fast and then we'll get into our commercials i think we're running a little long right now so um on hawaii public radio uh on june 4th which was you know a couple days ago as per uh, the recording um it, we were able to get a uh a little eight minute um interview with marco mangelsdorf who's been on the show before and the conversations Catherine cruz and I'll just sum it up. You know, basically they were talking. It's the the article here, which is online, HawaiiPublicRadio.org. Volcano byproducts impact solar panels, which is uh, that's kind of a unique discussion. So uh, you got all this kind of particulate going up with uh, the uh, eruptions, yep. and then Marco was saying that uh, you know I think it, and I might get this wrong, but 0.25 microns, perhaps uh, anything less than that, that can mix with water can create something kind of like a film on your solar panels. Shouldn't you know really uh, degrade it in any way? Because because you're dealing with, you know, marine grade aluminum and, you know, uh, products that don't really aren't impacted by those kinds of things, according to to him. But uh, people could get hurt if they go up there trying to clean them. Right. Which I thought was uh, I didn't I hadn't, that I hadn't considered that. Right? Yeah, he said they get could get pretty slippery. Right. So start, if, <laughs> start hosing it down and it turns to a slick mud. Right. So if you have uh, volcanic ash on your solar panels, hose it down. Don't get up there and walk on it is the takeaway, basically, which is a good point. I don't <laughs> life lesson. <laughs> yeah, really life lesson. Don't don't slip on your solar panel volcano slick. <laughs> All right. So uh, that's the good news from Marco. Thanks, Marco, as always, for keeping us in the loop on uh, things that are happening out in Big Island. Let's jump over into our, uh, our commercials and then we'll come back with Damon from uh, Jackson Electric and learn all about the cool things he's involved with, not to, the least of which is solar air conditioning, which we love to talk about. Aloha and welcome to Maui Solar Project. It is easy to feel rejuvenated just stepping outside on a magnificent Hawaiian day. Maui Solar Project is here to help harness that energy you feel in your body and use it to power your homes and businesses. As Laura tells us, Maui harnessed the sun so as to slow its path across the sky. Join Maui Solar Project as we harness the sun's energy and slow Hawaii's dependence on fossil fuels. Call Maui Solar Project at 269-2352. MauiSolarProject.org. Tsubuchi Electric. A leading worldwide inverter manufacturer presents the second generation of the eco-intelligent battery system, the IBIS. 
Tabuchi's grid-friendly system includes a high-efficiency inverter, stackable batteries, and integration with Jelly software for the most adaptable battery storage system on the market. The system is optimized for energy management and cost performance. Maximize your solar investment with Tabuchi's electric eco-intelligent battery system. The Sonin Battery Eco is an energy storage solution that utilizes intelligent energy management software. The system is available in a variety of storage capacities and allows for expansion. Sonin Battery Eco allows you to save money by harvesting energy from your solar PV system and using that stored energy when rates are more expensive. Sonin Battery Eco is specifically designed to provide you and your family peace of mind in the event of power outage. Our unique power detection system will sense outages in real time and automatically switch over to battery power. See Sonin Battery Eco at sonin-battery.com. MIT-founded Pika Energy, makers of the Pika Energy Island, a smart energy management system that uses solar panels, lithium batteries, and intelligence to manage your energy and keep you powered even during outages. With a clean, intelligent alternative to grid power, you're in control of your energy future. Pika's Energy Island lets you manage electrical costs with HECO-ready self-supply functions. Pika's largest battery, the Harbor Plus, offers 16 kilowatt hours of stored energy and can power loads of up to 10 kilowatts. And if you need more capacity, just add a second or even third Harbor Smart battery to the same system for a maximum of 48 kilowatt hours of usable storage. Pika Energy, own your power. To learn more, visit pika-energy.com. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system combined photovoltaic and thermal holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. Okay, folks, those are our great sponsors. Thank you so much for keeping us on the air for well over a year into year two. Uh, we kind of were a little, little liberal with our time in news and events, so we're going to jump right into this with uh, and learn all about solar air conditioning with um, <clears throat> with Damon from Jackson Electric and uh, Solar Hawaii, Solar High Maui, right? So you got those companies there. So, Damon, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and give us a sense of who you are and what you're doing, and then we'll jump right into this air conditioning conversation. Well, I mean, I've been interested in self-sufficiency since I was a little kid. Used to read you know, Mother Earth News and stuff like that. Yeah. My parents were kind of hippies. And, and where are you from? Like, California? Uh, Washington. Washington? Yeah. Okay. So my dream when I was a kid, I wanted to buy a piece of land with a stream running through it and dam it up and do a little micro hydro. Right. Because solar was outrageously expensive, you know, in the 70s and 80s. And then when I moved to Hawaii in the 90s, you know, it just seemed like it make, made sense. I put solar hot water in my first house and solar hot water in my second house. And then seemed like PV got to a point where it would pay off, pay for itself before it died. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it was like a 15 year payoff. There was no real tax credits. And like you said, it was $8 a watt yeah. installed. <laughs> right. So, so I went and did some research and found the materials and did a bunch, you know, tried to do it myself, got a little help from, from a guy that knew what he was doing. Um, and after I did that, then I helped some other people kind of do it themselves. Um, same way, you know, buy the materials maybe off the internet or whatever, yeah, and put together some systems, and then started started an installation company, 
Gotcha. And, and been going so since then. you've been you were passionate about the technology and about the possibilities early on, and that led to a business. Yep. Right. That's awesome. That's the best way to start a business. Scratch your own itch, they say. Scratch <laughs> your own itch. So uh, one of the things that, uh, and I know you've got a background in you know all different kinds of solar, but let's focus a little bit here on on this air conditioning conversation. So what are some for people out here? It's getting hot already, right? We're in June. What is it? You know, we're we're going to be uh, you know starting to get uh, toasty, especially in central Maui and south Maui and west Maui. Uh, and even up where I live in Haiku, it gets hot there in the middle of the day. So what are some of the options? I mean, we work together on the, um, on the mini splits. Can we call it that? I yep. think it's the right terminology. Yep. What is a mini split? Well, there's, there's several different types of air conditioning. You know, commercial have the package units, mm -hmm. and then most mm -hmm. homes with central AC have the outdoor compressor and the indoor air handler um, evaporator. And then the, the mini splits are, are basically a ductless split system so you've got the compressor outside and then uh, the air handler inside to distribute the cool air um, and that's the most common solar ac that's been installed in hawaii they're usually smaller systems and the only difference between that and you know a mitsubishi or or uh, you know the other brands daikin or um no, whatever blanking on, on, yeah. on the other brands and they advertise them on tv all the time but the, the only difference between those is they have two circuit boards. One takes mm -hmm. DC power directly, mm -hmm. and the other one takes grid power. Right. And so the one that takes DC power directly from solar panels, it'll use as much solar as is available, mm -hmm. and it'll blend in grid power so that you have uh, right. air conditioning. And so when the sun goes down, you still have air conditioning because you have grid power. Um, and then there are ways to power... Um, larger systems, central systems, and things like that with a custom, custom designed solar PV system. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, there's, there's a lot of different options, but the most common is those, those uh, solar mini splits. So those mini splits came out maybe about five years ago or something like that in the Hawaii market. Does that sound right? Uh, I, that's when I installed the first, yeah, my right. first one. I think they were around a little bit before that. Right. But and they were, I think they were a company out of Virginia, originally Hotspot. Hotspot, right? yeah. And um, so, and they, you know, that was a really exciting thing because we always said to ourselves in the industry, wouldn't it be cool? It would be cool. <laughs> Sorry. You know, but wouldn't it be amazing, right? Fun, right? Yeah. To, uh, to, because solar air, because air conditioning systems operate when it's hot out and the sun's shining. So wouldn't it be great to be able to run these off solar panels? It's kind of the dream, right? And then all of a sudden they came out and we were all super stoked. And then I remember trying to put them in and sell them. You sold a handful of them, you know, and then you're like, oh, well, it's kind of got some limitations, right? Mm -hmm. Because the, the, the mini splits, um, they are about what, a ton, like 12, yeah, 11,000, yeah, yeah. 12,000 BTUs or something like that. You know, and that cools, you know, a few hundred square feet. 500 square feet but then you have um, a lot of homes are not are bigger than that and you know and then you have bedrooms that don't necessarily get the air you know flowing in that same way and we were just dealing with one the other day with my uh with Susie's uh condo and um you know it we we actually opted for another place although we we have access to the to the, the, the mini splits right now. They're actually there sitting in the living room. And we said, you know what? That doesn't actually f fill our needs in this situation. And then we went with something different. A we small ductlet, uh, small ducted <clears throat> system. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of like it's a, these are split systems as you just described, but it's ducted. It's running through the attic, and it's able to get into each of the different rooms, and not even really different in size because it's about what two tons yeah. you think will work for the seven. Yeah, it's only plus an eight hundred square foot. Yeah, eight hundred square feet. So you know that's a completely different thing. But that's not solar. You can't take tax credits on the solar system that you put into it. Which, and however, yeah. like we were talking about before with that uh, end phase grid forming inverters, mm -hmm. it would be possible to run one of these off of a small 
um, end phase system like that, right? And and wired directly into the the air conditioner. Wired directly into the air conditioner. So that so it doesn't, so that it doesn't back feed, feed the, the grid. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. So I mean, it's you know, it's because you could take the grid input because yeah. this is grid forming. Yeah. <gasps> oh my goodness. But then it would. Then it, yeah. Then <laughs> I it would. Got excited. Yeah. <laughs> then it would run. You know, I mean, it would like you say, it would run when the sun is out. Yeah. And it may shut down if it doesn't have solar. Uh, but the house isn't heating up because the sun's not out. So Enphase is going to be launching Enphase air conditioning systems. Yeah. Enphase, and you can also you know, do, you know, you could you can put a very small. Sorry. That's okay. You can also put time. a you can put a very small um, battery, right. backup. But you know they've got some micro batteries and things like that that would work. Yeah. With these new Enphase uh, grid forming mi um, microinverters. Yeah. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah, that so is. So you mean when you say the backup batteries, you mean the AC modules that they have Enphase. No, the, I mean that's that's not a battery. The AC module is just that's just a PV module that has a microinverter already no, built in. I, but I know what you're talking about. I, I'm yeah. talking about those little boxes that Enphase has. Those, oh, the, they're AC batteries. AC no, batteries. there there's some other there's some other uh, micro batteries uh, that that are available that that go between the module and mm -hmm. the and the uh, microinverter. And they're powerful enough to give the uh, yeah yeah they're they're they. They're, they'll store about 650 watt hours uh -huh. and then um, put out as much as the, the end phase is able to do, which is 240 watts, 280 watts, depending mm -hmm. on which, uh, which microinverter you use. But a, a one-ton ductless split, once it's reached temperature, it's only using about 500 watts anyway. Okay. So, you know, a larger, a larger uh, air conditioning system would require a few more to, mm -hmm. to power it, but... You can size it to where it's got enough battery and enough. So, are you saying this is available today in market now? I could design a system <laughs> to make it work. Yeah, I mean, the, except for the the grid forming right microinverter, right. but but you you know, I mean, I can create a, a nano grid. But you would to, need a to bigger, do something like probably that. a bigger battery, right? You could do it off of a simplify. A simplify. Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff, right? Okay, that's interesting. Okay, so just to recap, we got the uh, mini split. Uh, we have the um, kind of like a, a custom designed uh, system like a Daikin, for example, maybe, but integrated with uh, battery and 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 solar. solar yeah. right? And uh, we're excited about the uh, end phase coming down the road to make that even easier. Um, what other type of options are there? Well, you have the central ducted that most large homes have that, you know, four or five ton um, Lennox or right. uh, brands like that. And Lennox marketed a, a solar ready air conditioner but when you dug into the fine print it was basically they were going to turn you over to a solar company to get to sell you a NEM. I saw that. So that it was wasn't it wasn't a special that air was, conditioner. That was, that was a sketchy ad they had, right? Yeah. That so, little PDF that they, they sent Yeah, out. yeah. So I mean, you know, in that way all air conditioners are solar ready, right. you know, it's right. like you know, every, you know, it's like my light bulbs are solar ready. Anything solar. Yeah, anything <laughs> solar ready, but once you turn the solar power into you know, 240. But yeah, so you can, you could retrofit a central air back to, you know, with solar with either the CGS program or CSS yeah. program or something like that. So if somebody's got a, a new central air conditioner, they're not going to want to rip that out and put in yeah. solar air conditioners to replace a. Yeah, and that's a what I get a lot where people ask, oh, now I'm getting solar, now I'll be able to run my AC. And technically, it just depends on. On the size system you have and how, how efficient it is. Yeah. 
Right. So, um, so for people nowadays, I, I mean, my takeaway after you know this kind of conversation is that there are, you know, it's a different. It depends on what's going on in the home, right? So if you got a small little ohana, for example, 500 square foot, maybe a nice little micro a mini split yeah. um, with a direct DC coming in from solar panels is a great option. It is. Right? Yeah. And it's simple. If you're a little bit bigger and you've got multiple rooms and you've got like a three-two or something like that, 800, 1,000 square feet, you need something different. Maybe something like a Daikin uh, uh, ducted split is what we're calling it, mm -hmm. right? And if you want to use uh, so you want to use solar and use even less energy, then you put on like maybe a little CGS plus system, right? To, which is available now. Yep. Yeah. And then um, uh, and then of course, if you got a big house, and you get a central air conditioning system. There's some options there too. You could actually just put in a, a larger uh, system, right? Yep. Effectively, just, I mean, just system. you know, that's where having a a monitor, you know, installing a monitor for a few mm -hmm. weeks to see what your usage really is helps design a PV system um, more exact instead of just going, you know, looking at an electric bill and saying, oh, you use this much electricity, right. you know, knowing when during the day that you use that electricity, mm -hmm. you know, what your particular habits are, because er everyone's different. You know, you could have the same exact footprint, same house as your next door neighbor, and his bill is half of yours right? because you like, you know, 68 degrees and he doesn't use air conditioning. Gotcha. Yeah, and we were talking earlier for like something like a customer self-supply where there's ways you can maximize what your PV actually uses where you're running your AC during the day to cool down the home rather than not running it at all during the day and then when you get home at night, cranking it down to the temperature that, yeah. you want. Then it has to work hard for It has to work hard hour, and you're using hours. a battery, a lot more of that battery life. So if you can use that PV during the day and run your AC during the day, you're using more of that to solar super energy. To kind of cool your home, yeah. super yeah. pre-cool yeah, your it home. Yeah, it keeps, you know, because your drywall absorbs heat, your wood, everything, your floor, your everything in your house absorbs heat if it's hot and it right. takes a while to to get back to that homeostasis so we um uh this is kind of harkening back to john borland mm -hmm. and his strategies to make a css system uh have the most aggressive return on investment if you get a chance check out this show he's a really amazing guy he did a great job of kind of doing these strategies with, with his hot water heater and with his uh cooling system uh, so now there's another one, uh, another uh, discussion we were talking about with air conditioning, um, and it, we were looking at the, the, I guess the next stage of this conversation is a little bit the heat exchanging systems, right? So you were talking about the Aquatherm guys; those are great guys. We know those guys from uh, Inner Solar, um, and we were, and we were talking about uh, Sundrum. So we're running out of time here, but effectively, what's the basic concept of that? How does that integrate? Well, air conditioners blow out hot air you know, when they're cooling, you know, and so that heat could be used to heat water. Yep. Um, a pool heater, if you have a, a heat pump pool heater, that blows out waste cool. So instead of wasting cool heating your pool and wasting heat heating, uh, cooling your house, you could have one machine that basically uses the same electricity to heat your pool and there cool you your house. So if you have a pool or if you have a, a need for heat, yeah, there's then, product for that. Then you can do something even a little bit more sophisticated than just the more simple air conditioning. Too. More efficient. Sundrum, one of our sponsors, is a great example of that. We're going to show you the information in a moment, uh, and you'll get to know all about that product. So, hey, uh, folks, this has been the Solar Coaster. Uh, we are a renewable energy uh, theme talk show right here in lovely Maui County. We are sponsored by Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonam Battery, Pika Energy, and Sundrum Solar. This has been the air conditioning episode with Damon from Jackson Electric. Thanks so much for coming in. People want to reach you, Damon. How can they get in touch with you? Uh, my website is solar-high, S-O-L-A-R-H-I.com. 
Um, and you can get my contact information there or my phone number is 875-4464. Give Damon a call. He's a good guy. And uh, Neil, thanks so much for being Jason today. Yeah, good job, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right, folks. Uh, thanks so much for tuning into the Solar Coaster. We'll see you next week at the Maui Film Festival. Have a wonderful weekend. Aloha Friday. Aloha.